there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. So here we go. Welcome to Your Politics, the weekly podcast from RTE's political team here in Leinster House. I'm Anya Lawler. Michal Lahan and Sandra Hurley are with me. Paul Cunningham will be joining us presently and we're going to start with, well, it's been the big news of the day in lots of ways and certainly the big political talking point of the day. And you're just back from Michal from a, a media conference a session with the three coalition leaders. And they were asked about Toy Show, the report. Yeah, it was a press conference about the number of houses that were built last year, which government says is at a 15-year high at over 32,000 now. But there is a focus on what's happening in RTE still, particularly after the publication of that Grant Thornton report, which does detail a lack of governance around the venture about the board, uh, not knowing the fine details, never, it seems, formally signing off on it. Uh, and for all those reasons, the, the Taoiseach, uh, believes that the RTE executive team didn't adequately inform the board. He said there weren't proper accounting procedures or corporate governance procedures followed when it came to the production. Uh, so, And he believes, too, the board should have asked more questions. What happens next, then, is the big question with those people who were there in their jobs at the time, the, the five members of the board. But I suppose that he took also putting a focus on the people on the executive team that were there at the time, saying they didn't adequately inform them. He didn't express confidence in that group of people. All he said was that it's up to Catherine Martin now to read and reflect on the report. She's had it for a few days, though. We do know that. Uh, but she's still reading and reflecting on it. Uh, and it will be recommendations that Catherine Martin will bring to government mm-hmm. uh, that, w- that will be the next step in this. Asked about that question of resignations and the like, the Taoiseach, saying, as he said at the Parliamentary Party meeting last night, that if people are no longer in position, uh, well, then they're not accountable in the same way suggesting he wants to hear answers first. But the press conference did have a question asked about how do people resign? Can a minister force someone to resign from the RT board? But apparently not. The Taoiseach saying he had checked this, but only for factual reasons, of course, uh, and that anyone can ask anyone anything, but it would take the Oireachtas actually to remove someone if it came to that. He has checked that for factual reasons. Uh And what's the other, because of course we have the two committees, Paul, we have the Public Accounts Committee and we have the Media Committee. We all remember uh, their various hearings. They still haven't published their reports. So reaction from them and other political quarters. Yeah, so we heard from um, Brendan Griffin, um, who is a Fine Gael TD, but also a committee member. And he said it was stark, the level of the absence of governance controls in relation to what happened. He also said that um, he felt that Orte had been tardy when it had been coming to um, bringing up information, supplying documentation um, and also supplying reports. And he felt that it may require another committee hearing to hear from both the board and executive because that seemed to be the only avenue he described it as to be able to get more information. And I asked him, well, what information are you looking for? And when it came to the Grant Thornton report, he felt he'd wanted to see more names names of individuals who'd taken individual decisions, who'd contributed to what happened. And so names was one of the big issues that he had in relation to this. We also heard from Pierre Doherty, the Sinn Féin finance spokesperson. He once again was talking about a shocking report and he said it was money, public money should not be spent in this way. And it was once again damaging for the national broadcaster. And he felt the 
we had to get to the bottom of this, politicians. And once again, he said he believed it would be a very short amount of time before the Public Accounts Committee would once again be calling in RT executives and RT board members to get to the bottom of it. But maybe the most pointed contribution came from Catherine Murphy, the Social Democrats TD, but also Vice Chair of the Public Accounts Committee. And she said of the current board members who were also in situ at the time of Toy Show, the musical, she felt that they had to ask themselves a question, not wait for any other one, but ask themselves a question as if they believed they were the right people to be dealing with matters at the board level now. Very often. What was it, it Nietzsche said? I looked into the abyss and it looked, I looked deep into the abyss and it looked deeper into me. Thanks, Nietzsche. Yeah. None of the rest of you can bring Nietzsche <laughs> to the table, can you? Um, do you remember the time when Rory Quinn went to Albert Reynolds and said, we're here for a scalp? Um, yeah. Yes. A political head. There very often a sense, isn't there, whenever there's a big matter. No, but there have been a lot of scalps really so far, haven't there, from this particular controversy? Is there a sense that the political system wants a bit more blood? Yes, it's slowly gearing up for that over the course of the day. At the same time, what the Thonish to Michal Martin had to say and the Green Party leader had to say at that press conference really was more along the lines of progress has been made in RT and reforms have to continue. So I don't think it's anywhere at the scale of where it was last year. But nonetheless, the, what has been documented in this report mm-hmm. uh, is causing a degree of unease now and momentum is building but at a slow at a slower level than before. But I think it'll come back to um, if it is the case, those individual board, board members look into the mirror and say, yes, I am the right person to do the job. That's going to be called into question when those inevitable committee meetings happen and the pressure here inside Leinster House is to try and ensure that they happen quickly. Um, and, and more reports to come, of course. And that's exactly it because they're already frustrated um, both the Media Committee and the Public Accounts Committee had hoped to finalise their reports and get this dead cat off the road. They're still waiting on other reports, such as the goodbye money or exit deals that were agreed for certain high-level uh, um, executive staff in RTE. We believe that's going to happen in the next week or two, according to the chair of the RTE board, Shuni Rahali. But once again, we've had deadlines and those deadlines have been missed. And of course, in the background to all of this and whatever happens in terms of the various reports, there's been the decline in people paying their licence fee. There's this debate in government about what the alternative options, which choice they should make. Should it be a broadband charge, possibly of around 15 euro a month? Isn't that what the Business Post? 10 to 15. 10 to 15 that the Business Post was reporting at the weekend. There's been various people reacting to that. Uh, There is, of course, the existing licence fee. We've heard Finance Minister Michael McGrath and Pascal Dunhoe uh, and uh, I think even Shane Castle saying it would be Castle saying it would be batshit crazy. Was that not the quote I, to cut I off the funding stream? I think that's podcast. an accurate uh, quote. Um, but that choice. Well, the question is, you see, we're hearing, yes, the choice will be made. It's a big call, isn't it, this side of what's going to be a busy electoral year? Yes, it's an enormous call. And to change how RT is funded and perhaps to put a charge on the public is something that would be very tricky to do in an election year. The government, however, is adamant and insistent. Every minister says they are going to make this call in the next couple of months. It does seem that that sort of 10 to 15 euro a month broadband charge, that has been dismissed pretty much straight away. And I think it almost said that in the Business Post report last Sunday. But... We know that there's disagreement about the uh, remaining options. Catherine Martin favouring exchequer funding, Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath against that. Why would you get rid of an existing funding stream from the public when it brings in a decent amount of money? 200 million, isn't it? Well, Michael McGrath said last year, even in a bad year for RT, it brought in 130 million. Um, Now, what he did seem to suggest yesterday on Morning Ireland was that perhaps... 
He left the door a little bit more open to the revenue collecting it. This is something that RTE has pushed a lot in the past because RTE, uh, revenue has enforcement powers. People are scared of revenue. They'll probably pay up more. You'll mm-hmm. deal a lot more with the evasion. He was against that in the past because revenue collects taxes, not charges. But he seemed to leave the door a little bit open that maybe this might be a possibility. So we still don't know what they're going to plump for overall, but uh, it, it's a live question in The was very clear on Sunday, absolutely riddle an, an answer with no riddle whatsoever when Justin McCarthy asked him, do you want revenue to collect the licence fee? He said, I do, yeah. So that would show there is a degree of political mm-hmm. weight going behind that proposal now and saying too that the licence fee continues this year and probably all of next year as well. So you would think what happens before an election It's looking like just a signal or an intent or a policy that will be identified. Leif Radcar, um a year ago said that they would formulate it, they would decide it and they'd implement it. So if he isn't going to implement it, you know, that's going to be trouble for him. But there was another signal. spike um, uh, 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 given by Paul Murphy of People Before Profit. That party advocates direct exchequer funding and um, he declared that if there was any attempt by the government to introduce any type of charge it would trigger campaigns like the water charges and they would be national. Uh, one issue that is national of course is of course, the issue IFAC, IFAC are directly funded the by Fiscal the Advisory Council mm-hmm. yes yep. yes um, and uh, of course there's some unease from the chair he was on Morning Ireland with us More today than unease. Mm. Uh, yes the they're very upset uh, at the cutting of the daily rate it was something around 680 down to something like 370 uh, per day and uh, and of course this follows um, the Fiscal Advisory Council uh, being very critical uh, of the government's I mean yes. it was a big giveaway budget 14 billion and so on but uh, gimmickry involved according Funny to the Fiscal money. Advisory uh, something Council. that the Finance Minister Michael McGrath deeply resented and um, expressed it as such that this simply was not the case so it is a bad look for the government apparently these negotiations have been going on for months and months so it doesn't relate necessarily to the mm. budget but an impasse has been not. reached and um, it just seems that IFAC are prepared to put it up um, to the government on this one and of course, it's the there are two vacancies on the Fiscal Advisory Council. The chair, because uh, he's only an acting chair at the moment. Which and, puts him and in a rather strong council. position to say, I'm not fighting for more money for me. And, and it goes to Oxford for University to compensate them for the time he has to exactly. give, which is way more than the contracted 30 days. So yeah. we'll be watching that space. But the issue that is national and that people certainly all over the country are hugely interested in, Michal, is the issue of housing. Uh, and the government pretty pleased today with the latest statistics. Yeah, because housing is up, but way up, like the, the highest in 15 years. But still, the Taoiseach admitting there's a massive... Over 10%. Yeah, deficit. There is a massive housing deficit. But what wasn't answered today was, well, what is that deficit exactly? Like, is it 250,000 homes? Uh, but the official government position is that they're going to do a few things in June. They'll know in June because they're waiting from for information from the ESRI. And it's at that point they'll update those targets to take them beyond the 30,000 plus uh, for next year, possibly to around 50,000, although they wouldn't go into the detail of that today. And it's only then, too, that they can say what the actual housing deficit is. It's a bit is. of a nonsense, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar have on the record said publicly that, yes, it should be probably, you know, up the 40, 50 mark at least. And that's what they're aiming for. But you need an evidence Approach. And the ESRI was supposed to come back with those revised targets and the government was supposed to agree on them in the first quarter. So certainly by the end of March and to yeah. hear that it slipped out till June yeah. is pretty disappointing, I think, for a lot of people because that's a full three month slippage. It is. A, I saw one remark somewhere that it is a pretty significant result, though, for any de- developed economy to increase its housing mm. output 
by double digits. That's just in terms of capacity. Yes, and the government today talking up the momentum as they would see it in house building, but it just comes back to the old arguments about the targets are too low. They are meeting the targets in the housing for all plan, but the targets are too yeah. low and they're not reaching the social and affordable targets. We're talking um, about a few things like changing how homes are built as well, which could mean that might be built faster. That would involve, at its simplest, the teacher said, using more wood. There's also the the planning bill that has to go through that's going to make things go a bit quicker uh, apparently and there was something else and I can't I can't recall because that, there, the there are fairly significant delays uh, out on board Planola at the moment there's also the question well, there's a recruitment drive home and abroad for construction workers they're the big ideas who to will get live where rolling. the question is what is being built where it's being built and who can afford to buy it? And this brings us back to, again, one of the big rows this week, the big funds being able to bulk buy in housing estates. And you can have people in one house in an estate paying a mortgage of 1500 to 200, 2000 a month for a house they were able to buy. You can have people around the corner paying yeah. rent on that self-same sized house to a big fund that's maybe three, 4000 a month. I think that you know what the government is saying is that it has intervened to try and ensure that international investors are not buying up these. Those uh, measures were taken in June 2021 and when the opposition talks about Belcamp Manor in North Dublin mm-hmm. where significant amounts were snapped up, they say, well, the planning commission was granted before that, I think it was 2019. So it isn't fair to use that as an example of where things currently stand. Nonetheless, it was the case of the housing minister, Dara um, O'Brien, had to say that he was going to go to his buddy in finance, Michael McGrath, and they were going to look at... Buddy, eh? Hey, buddy, <laughs> can you help me out? And they were going to look at that question of the 10% um, stamp duty rate and whether it could be pushed north. Um, Sinn Féin were talking about 17%. Um, Social Democrats this week were campaigning for it to be doubled. Um, the government was saying there are unintended um, risks and there's, you know, you could trigger off an awful lot of problems if you just sort of but go But there are new planning regulations about yeah. this now, aren't there? Councils yeah. can yes. stipulate when they're giving planning permission yeah. that, you know, it can, they can't be yeah. sold in bulk. And so it's the and, now, the and the government keeps, yeah. yeah, exactly. The government keeps saying that it's, it's predated uh, housing developments that may have been delayed in the system, but their approvals date back to before the new regulations mm-hmm. came in. But every time a new story emerges about these type of bulk buying, it, it's definitely something that hurts the government. Yeah, there's one this evening in the Business Post again, again that Ryanair have bought 25 homes in Swords, which they're going to rent to their staff. Uh, again, it's kind of a bulk buying thing. Where they yeah, so the, I mean, and so there, there may be an awful lot of stuff being built, but the question is, is it stuff you can actually buy? Because people do want to buy rather than rent in the first instance. It makes more economic sense for their own pockets. Uh, and then affordability. Yeah, and affordability, that came up in the doll today when Michael McNamara, the Clare TD, was raising it and talking about it. And the Thonish are trying to say, well, definitely when it comes to Clare, I mean, people, if you have two working people, the nurse and the guard, uh, which which Richard Bruton began speaking about all those decades ago, like that they can buy in Clare. But, yeah. but I think even the most optimistic in gov- government say there is a problem in Dublin uh, for people and those incomes. I saw one teacher today commenting uh, their teacher of 10 years, they take home 36,400. They can't afford cost rental apartments in City West. Their income's just... And I mean, that's the kind of classic failure then of housing policy. If somebody in a sort of typical job, the teacher, the guard, the nurse, or their combined incomes, if they can't afford a typical house, then something's gone wrong. Which that's is all feeding into the shortages, of mm-hmm. course, and the capital and then the long commutes and the yada it's not yada. just a, a Dublin issue when someone like the independent Richard O'Donoghue will be talking about the self-same issue in Limerick and once again saying that the development isn't taking place and that's because the government hasn't prioritised the question of infrastructure. And if you crack that nut, then it would unlock things. And so that's one of 
you know, the pitches he continues to make in very passionate terms in the chamber. Yeah. Um, our colleague Mary O'Regan has a very good blog uh, on the forthcoming uh, referendum, family and care referendums on the 8th of March International uh, Women's Day and the Electoral Commission was launching uh, their campaign on all of this today. And it was interesting just even reading Mary's piece because there was some confusion on the week in politics last Sunday, uh, even amongst the panel about, you know, the number of questions and what each question is about and what's taking, because each of one involves deletion and insertion. They both involve deletion and insertion, don't they? I'm going to have to get my head around this. Well, Lizzie, I think it's going to take some time. I mean, that's the great thing about having a campaign. It allows everyone to read up the documents. We know that more than two million uh, documents are going to be sent out to homes across Ireland from the Referendum Commission, or um, sorry, the Electoral Commission, which replaces the Referendum Commission, and to be able to explain and outline for it. This is a really big thing for the Electoral Commission. Um, And we're going to be watching it very closely because we were told by a senior executive last year that one of the additional things it was going to be doing was be uh, directing and targeting misinformation and disinformation, whether it came inside the state or outside the state, with a view to being able to ensure that voters were getting the best and most accurate information possible. So we won't just be looking at the referendum, we're also looking at how the Electoral Commission fulfills that Mm -hmm. role, which is a massive role, because that's like the dry run for the local European elections and if not the general election in a matter of months. We've been keeping our eye on you, says you. Sinn Féin haven't taken up an official position. But uh, Owen O'Brien has signalled that they are likely to back uh, yes, yes in both both questions, as have at this point all the other opposition parties. So they are on board, it looks like, all the opposition. I wonder how big campaigns, how big will their campaigns be? Will they spend much money Mm -hmm. on campaigning in a year when they're facing into other elections? I think that's uh, something worth keeping an eye on. And the other thing that struck me this morning from the Electoral Commission's launch was that uh, Justice Marie Baker, the chair, said one of the biggest challenges they face is that nobody might care. So I think that summarises voter apathy, getting people out, getting people engaged in this referendum uh, is going to be a big challenge. And she said it was good that there's been... um, we were talking last week about the, the throuples and the polygamy, all that it, that was referenced in the doll and those clips travelled quite well. She said that was all healthy for debate because at least it got people talking about the yeah. referendums and got people engaged. I mean, but there have say- been a number of independents and there ha- particularly in the Shannon, there have been a lot of questions uh, yes. raised about these questions mm-hmm. that will be put and to durable the people. Relationships. But there is durable relationships. relationships. A lot of people watch the Shannon. Seem to be... No, no. Um, but there is record, Michal. Yes, they do. <laughs> do yeah. Yes, of course. There is a question, though. Sometimes it's put that um, a low turnout would usually mean that um, those motivated to go out and usually no side will win, and people sort of point towards an East um, referendum. I think mm-hmm. it was thirty-five when it was a no, and it was forty-eight or forty-nine yeah. when it was a yes. But that doesn't always stand up. And if you look at the bail laws when that referendum came through, and um, the uh, turnout was only around twenty-nine percent, but it still went through. So. Um, it doesn't necessarily follow. But you never know until any campaign starts on any question yes. or any mm-hmm. matter what way things are going to go and all of this pro- prognosticating and predicting. So why um, do we do it then, Anya? Um, well, let's actually, let's talk about uh, something else that was happening this week, Paul. Uh, there was a really large protest uh, here at Leinster House yesterday yeah. for that Gaza vote. Now, in the end, the government put forward an amendment to the Social Democrats Uh, motion and this is on joining uh, the South African case against Israel at the International Court of Justice, not the International Criminal Court, as I said on radio this morning. Apologies (laughs) to all concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's the International Criminal Court deals with individuals, whereas the International Court of Justice deals with states. And it is the Social Democrats 
case that Ireland should support South Africa, which has gone to the ICJ, um, stating that um, there is a significant concern that genocide is taking place in Gaza as a result of the Israeli military campaign. And there were a lot of people out on Molesworth Street, an awful lot of politicians out there as well. And the opposition was pretty unified that the government needs to do more. And it was put in very blunt terms from people like the Social Democrats leader Holly Kearns that Ireland can't sit mm-hmm. on the fence. It has an obligation to act. And that would have also been agreed by um, the people before profit. Labour Party taking a slightly different line saying its focus is to try and find some um, unified position because it argues that that would be more powerful in international terms. The government um, quite clear that it's saying that what you can't do is support South Africa. No state is supporting South Africa. Uh, what you have to do is wait until you get a preliminary ruling from the ICJ due tomorrow. Um, that's Friday. That's right. I mean, they're moving really fast on this yes. with a real sense of urgency. But there's also a sense that um, from the Michal Martin, the Thonish, the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Defence, that also that um, South Africa has to put its case. And once that's spread out legally, then you're able to intervene. So there's an absolute um, divide between opposition parties who mm-hmm. say you can signal now and the government saying you don't signal now, you only get involved when it's legally appropriate to do so. One just last point, I think from the sense um, you get from the government and coalition is that in diplomatic terms, they feel the smarter thing to do is to be able to wait and manoeuvre, whereas um, there is a principal stance from the opposition. And there was definitely a sense of that, wasn't there, in, in quite a testy exchange between uh, people before profits Richard Boyd Barrett Absolutely. and the Thonish at, at leaders question was it leaders no, or it just came up it was actually questions mm. on, on foreign affairs Richard Boyd Barrett coming in and saying that you know what the government was doing was dancing around the issue of genocide when they have under the convention an obligation to act and the Tornister really came in hard on Richard Boyd Barrett saying, uh, picking up on the fact that in his view, PPP has not condemned the actions of Hamas, the um, rape and killing of women, the abduction of children, and went, as to f- went so far as to say that, you know, it seems that they were nearly supportive of Hamas, um, which was vehemently denied by Richard Boyd Barrett. And off it went. I mean, the two of them really going toe to toe and you could see there was a, a an intense dislike, at least for the positions that they were adopting. I think the government has been in a bit of a difficult position here because the argument being put forward by the Social Democrats and the rest of the opposition is quite simple. It's portraying the government as uncaring, standing by while genocide is taking place. Everyone was watching the pictures at night and hearing about thousands of children being killed. It just gets worse day by day. Exactly. And then the government, Micheál Martin today, very much trying to explain the process of this, that they are very much engaged in it and signalling that they may very well get involved at some point in the future. But I think the campaign run by the Social Democrats has resonated, has travelled and maybe has been picked up by people who aren't engaged in the sort of minutiae of daily politics. You just see it, I see it in, in a sort of a wider way on social media. And I think the government has been vulnerable on this because it's a difficult case for them to explain. I suppose they have moved slightly in the language. You can see that word valid being used by the Taoiseach to describe the South African case. I know it's might have been overplayed, but he still said it. And then Michal Martin saying that the mo- they would strongly consider uh, at the appropriate time right. intervening in the case, not joining the case, but intervening in the case is the word he used. OK, uh, a couple of quick things before we go. Um, not our parliament, but the House of Commons, a speech by Geoffrey Donaldson. Now, we all know last Friday there'd been all the speculation that with the three billion sterling on the table from London, the DUP might finally be able to make a move. There was an officers meeting called, but then Stephen Nolan rang ran into his show and suddenly there was no decision made. But then mm. this week... 
quite a heated contribution from Def- Jeffrey Donaldson in the House of Commons I that has people going, maybe there is a chance of a I, return of power I thought power it was sharing. the emotion. I hadn't seen Jeffrey Donaldson. He's usually quite a conservative man, a very good communicator, but quite conservative. Suddenly he was talking about living under threat as a result of the position that he'd adopted and that the threats were coming from people who hadn't actually ever voted. And you could hear the emotion that what he was trying to do, in his words, was to get the best possible deal, despite um, the DUP yeah. position being decided described as prevaricating and everything else. And the Telegraph was reporting today that Rishi Sunak has moved in that in terms of the language that any future legislation would be checked in terms of its impact on Northern Ireland and the Windsor framework. That in turn has all the Brexiteers going crazy because they're saying that's back to convergence. But here we are, like we're two years without Stormont. You've got 200,000 public service workers on the streets saying, and this isn't anyone, it's hospitals, it's talking about schools. There is a sense this nut has to be cracked. So you could just see maybe that's part of the pressure as well. And in election news, and and indeed you were talking about Gaza there, Sandra, and people before profit, and there, Breed Smith, who had told us she was retiring as a TD, she won't be running in the next election. She says Gaza's the reason she's going to What's she going to do? Yes, interesting. She's going to run in the European elections in Dublin. Now, she's a campaigner who has been involved in politics for decades and various campaigns over that time. Uh, interesting, I think, that given that Claire Daly is one of the incumbents mm-hmm. and that at one point they were uh, in the same sort of left grouping Questions perhaps about whether that might split their votes. Is that going to hurt Claire Daly, who might be in a difficult position to hold her seat anyway, given her positions on on Russia, on the war in Ukraine? Um, But it certainly has added to the dynamic um, of the Dublin election. We don't yet know the Fine Gael candidates. There seem to be several people uh, in -hmm. the fray there who have put their names forward. But uh, it's shaping up to be an interesting campaign. And of course, Labour's Aon O'Reardon has expressed uh, an interest in uh, yes. the nomination for but Europe also as well. Possibly standing again in the general election and also possibly standing as mayor of Dublin. So. Yeah, but if he's going to run in the general election, it looks like he'll have a little bit more competition than he was anticipating, doesn't it? Finian McGrath might be coming back yeah. to politics. He said Is that was, right? Finian said he was too busy. Um, today to talk, but he might give me a ring later on when he's not so busy. (laughs) There was a lot of possibities in that article in the Irish Independent. They might run an agreed candidate, sort of a disabilities candidate. He might run himself, he might not. It seemed to be a lot yet to be decided there. There's a lot of work to do with Shell's pre-season. Damien Duff has them running up and down the beach in Port Marnock, so like... Finian's busy with his Shelburne FC work at the moment. You see, Nietzsche and Shell's, who else could give you that? Okay. I'm sure that's a good thing, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the point where we're going to leave you. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.